Garrett and the Davis crew are here, so make them feel welcome. Very cool. Hopefully some of you guys got to meet them last week at the cookout, but um, we're glad you guys are here. We have a meal train set up for the Doloreses. Andrea posted that in the Facebook group. So they had their baby uh, early Friday morning, I believe. And so, right? Thursday. Thursday. Okay, I thought it was after midnight. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I know how to tell time. So anyway, you guys need to know that to know what to bring, obviously. You know exactly when the baby was born to know what to bring. So that meal train is set up. It's on the Facebook group, and we'll send it out in the newsletter this week so you can have it if you're not a Facebook person. That'll be in the newsletter. And sign up. Let's bless them with some meals and make that transition into parenthood easier. And let's just praise God that their baby's here. So and be be praying for them. Um, the prayer meeting that the elders are, have set up, the shepherd's prayer meeting, is going to be tomorrow at 7 p.m. on Zoom. I'm getting uh, some good nods from Don here. That's still going to be on Zoom, so dentonnorthchurch.com slash prayer is the way to get there. We'll do some guided prayer through, the, through James that they've set up, and then we'll also just take some time to pray for some specific requests within our community. So that's a really cool thing to do. I know a lot of us are exhausted about Zoom, but, and we're kind of really, really ready to say goodbye to it forever. But the prayer meeting is super cool, and I would encourage you to go if you can. So um, it's just great to get to pray together. If you're not a, you don't want to pray out loud, you can just be there and listen. And it's a great way to hear about what's going on in our community and hear different things that people are praying for. And you can just pray silently to yourself if you'd like. Um, but I'd really encourage you to go. I think we've slowly increased in people who've come, and that's been really fun. So DentonNorthChurch.com slash prayer. Is how to get there. That's tomorrow night at 7 p.m. And the ice cream social and pool party for all the churches is rapidly approaching. That is July 25th. That's going to be super fun. So we've been telling you guys about this for a while, but now it's actually getting pretty close. So please prioritize that. That's going to be uh, the, all the details of that in our newsletter. And we will be, keep sending that out every week. And I'll post uh, all the details on Facebook. I don't think we've actually posted them on Facebook yet. So I'll do that this week. But uh, that's going to be a really cool opportunity to meet people from other churches. Or a lot of us have known people who have ended up moving away from Denton and gone to another church. So it kind of feels like this family reunion where you get to see folks who, like, you haven't seen since you graduated or you don't see very often or whatever. But also get to meet new people. And just a really good opportunity for our family churches to all get together, which we haven't done now in, like, maybe two years or something, because maybe the other times we try to do it during COVID, we just couldn't do it. So um, I'd, I'd prioritize that. Please, please go to that, July 25th. All the details are in the newsletter. And then lastly is giving. We're still going to keep on just using our um, website for giving for now. And so DentonNorthChurch.com slash donate is the way to give. If you don't already have a, a recurring gift set up, um, then you can go just give a one-time today on there. And you can also set up a recurring gift if you would like to. So I'll pray real quick, and then we'll have the worship team come up. Lord, thank you for this chance to be together this morning, and thank you for all the exciting things going on in our community. And also, just there's always hard things too, Lord, so I just pray that you'd be with us this morning. Um, unite us. Help us just to come together wherever we are in our lives and just worship you together today. And just be joyful and be together and catch up with each other. And Lord, help us just to center our hearts on you, and um, Lord, just give us uh, a vision for um, what um, you're, you're speaking to us today. Open our hearts, open our ears, and uh, help us just to really focus on what you're doing in our community and uh, to really just pay attention and 
uh, be able to hear your voice through worship and hear your voice through um, through Garrett's sermon. And Lord, we just thank you. You're so good to us, and we don't deserve it. In your name I pray. Amen. Okay, on a while back, May 30th, somebody left these glasses here at the GDAC. If you recognize them or if you, oh, you do. Great. He can see again. Um, as we were singing the song, Good, Good Father, I just want to kind of walk you through for a second where my mind went with that. Um, I got here at 9.30 this morning, and when I came in, I saw and listened to the praise team practicing, and it made me think, what a good, good father that we have people that are willing to come early and to sing songs of praise and to guide us in our worship. And there were sound people setting up the sound equipment, and there were people setting up chairs and I was thinking, God, you're so good that you give us a body to help with all these things and that I'm not doing this on my own or by myself. Really, I come in and give very little thought to it because there are other people taking care of it. And then as I was just walking around, people are coming in. And when you get here early, you can watch people come in like one at a time and really notice them versus like coming into a big crowd. And so I got to, when I walked in the door, Junie was like running my direction. And so I got to see her sweet, happy face running across this whole back spance back here. Um, and just her joy at running around in this room. And I see sweet Jack. And then I watch you guys coming in. And, and as I watch you come in, my heart just goes, these are my people. Like I love these people. I love what they do in their lives. I love what they mean to our body. I love that we get to sing Good, Good Father together and really mean it. Um, but I would just encourage you, I could go on and on, like there were all kinds of things I noticed about how good our God is as I was watching this morning. Um, if you're getting here at 950, 9.55, 10.05, you're missing those opportunities to engage with the body and to have some reflective time to think about our good, good father and to look around and appreciate how truly good he is. And so I would just encourage you to be here by 9.40, to be here by 9.45 at the latest um, so that you can uh, get in on what our good, good father has done here at DNC. Um, it also was so good to see Garrett and Erica here this morning. Um, I'm super excited that they're going to be joining us some. Garrett's going to be helping our staff. That's not a surprise to any of you. You all know that. Um, but last week was like their first official week and Garrett's going to speak to us today and I'm excited for you to hear what God has placed on his heart for our body to hear. Um, but if you know Garrett and Erica, make sure that you welcome them today and if you don't know them, make sure that you introduce yourself. They're not going to be with us all the time. They are part of the Wiley Church and so they'll be here with us some and they'll be at Wiley some, but we want this to feel like a second home for them. Um, and we're just excited to hear what Garrett has to say this morning. So Garrett, I'm going to have you go ahead and come up 
and I'm going to pray for you while you're on your way up here. Um, God, I just thank you for bringing Garrett and Erica and their family to the Denton North Church. Um, I thank you for the love that Garrett has for you and for your word, and I just pray that as he speaks about your word to us today, that you'll open our hearts and minds to be receptive and to hear uh, what your word has to say to us. I just pray a blessing on their family as they travel back and forth, and just a blessing on them as they're a part of the Denton North Church. It's in the Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you guys hear me okay? I don't want to stay up here for sure. I'd rather be down here. Okay, great. Um, I'd actually rather be behind you guys, if you guys could just, just hear that. Oh, wow, look at this thing. This thing has got left and right. It doesn't just have up and down. That's good to know. Um, well, hi, guys. How's it going? Uh, my name is Garrett. I know many of you, so I don't feel like I need to introduce myself, uh, but maybe for a very small handful of you, you don't know who I am. Um, I know that, like Brad, my reputation precedes itself uh, in all the bad ways, as well as maybe uh, a small amount of the good ways. Um, oh, all right. Is this one a non-wobbler? That's what I'm talking about. Thanks, Sam. A man with newfound sight. He used to think that was there was a really skinny guy standing over there in the corner at all times. Turns out it was just the music stand. Um, so he would have never done that before. Um, you know, uh, Leslie brought up that, that Erica and, and I uh, and our, our kids are, are members of the Wiley Church. Um, you know, but in, in many ways, considering our, our family of churches is so linked, I've been a part of this church since the get-go. Um, regardless of whether I showed up here uh, on a Sunday morning, um, you know, the fact that my brother uh, was the one that kind of came here uh, and helped start it, you know, with, with Leslie and the team and Kurt uh, and their family, um, regardless of, uh, of the fact that I've been in involved in the Denton ministry for many years, uh, indirectly via sending tons of Corfas from Collin College. There's a pipeline in case you guys don't know of Corfas that come from Collin College directly to UNT, uh, and they helped plant the Denton ministry. In fact, Denton was planted with, Col Denton Focus was planted with Collin College Corfas. Um, and, you know, uh, and, and the fact that they continue to come, or the fact that I've been working with the Denton Focus staff team on and off for around the last three or four years uh, since my son was born. Um, and so I've had an involvement in this church for many years. I know many of you uh, personally, as well as uh, some just by, uh, from an acquaintance level. Um, but I don't feel like we're showing up new on the scene here. You guys might feel that way, and you're welcome to continue to feel that way. Uh, but I've been a part of Denton North Church, and I'm still a part of Denton North Church. Just because I'm not here on a Sunday doesn't mean that I haven't been. So I'd like to first assert to you... <laughs> <laughs> that I am a part of this church, <laughs> uh, and I will continue to be a part of this church, whatever that looks like, um, but I'm excited. Um, I think of, of Denton as, you know, I, I know that Wiley thinks of Denton because we uh, are technically the planting church, right? Uh, from Wiley, uh, you know, came Denton, um, that we think of Denton as a, as a sister church. Uh, I think of you guys as my brothers and sisters, uh, maybe cousins at, at the farthest distance, um, and, you know, and I've, I've loved uh, being able to get to be a part of, of Denton. I've been coming up to Denton now for the last few years, at least two days a week, sometimes a lot more than that. Um, and I've started just ever so slightly to develop a like of the city 
of Denton as well. I know it's weird. I don't I don't like it. I'm from yuppie territory, not hippie territory, which is what this is. Richardson's Yuppie Fest. You know, people driving around in golf carts. Um, that's pr that says enough. Uh, so that's it. Um, so, you know, I'm excited to get to be a, a part of the church. I'm excited to get to, to be here more regularly to bring Jack and June here. When we pulled up into the parking lot, my son said, wow, that took a lot longer than I thought it was going to. <laughs> and then he proceeded to say, can we come here from now on? And I was like, no, that's interesting. I don't know sure what the connection was. Three-year-olds aren't necessarily known for their logic, um, and Jack is certainly that way as well. My fault? Okay. Yeah, you just keep doing what you're doing down there. I'm going to pretend like you're not touching me. Um, so, so today, uh, you know, I, unless I've been told wrong, you have been in the book of James, correct? All right. All right, one for one. So uh, we're going to be in James 2 today if you guys want to um, you know, get access to that verse in some, some way, whether it's uh, on your phone or your Bible. So James 2. We're going to be starting in verse 12. We're only covering two verses. Um, if you know me, you know, like Brad probably, if I had to guess, you could talk at length on any given thing, um, even if it was a small thing. Uh, and so um, I chose two verses very intentionally, knowing that if I bit off more, that I would probably talk for a significantly longer amount of time. So we're going to be in James 2, 12 through 13. It's one that I'm sure you guys have heard. In fact, I have no doubt that there's a tattoo on someone's body in this room that has something along the lines of this verse. Um, you guys are really big into tats. I know that. I don't have any, but I'm hoping to get inked up sometime soon. I'm just joking. I'm not. Um, I think tats are really cool, though. No judgment coming from me. We already know mercy triumphs over it. So let's go ahead and uh, <laughs> let's read that really quickly. I'm going to let that kind of, I'm going to let this kind of marinate for you guys for a little while, and then we'll we'll talk about um, just a couple of introductory points here. So James 2, I'm going to be reading out of the NASB. If it's a little bit different than yours, I apologize. It says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I'm going to read that again. Let it just, let, I'm going to read it actually twice more, okay? So maybe try it in different ways. Try doing it just listening. Try following along as you read. Try, I don't know, doing some other third option that I can't think of off the top of my head. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It seems to me that, that a great number of issues, ideas, etc., lend themselves uh, to be looked at on a spectrum, Right? There's, a, there's some, some distance between one far end of an idea to another far end of an idea that's its opposite. Whether it's, you know, you're on the left or right, obviously liberal, conservative, Calvinist, Arminian, 
uh, whatever it is, that there's, that there's, these, there's, a, there's a spectrum of thought for almost every idea. And to know where we ourselves happen to reside on that spectrum and to continually and thoughtfully pursue where we think Jesus resides on that spectrum is an important task for all of us to grapple with on any idea. So I don't know how much history you guys dove into with James here. I think maybe a little bit. Did you talk some about James just in general? So I'll just do a quick recap. James is most likely the leader of the church in Jerusalem and Jesus' brother. Okay? Most likely. That's the best that we know. He is known for being a bit conservative, if you will. All right? He towed the line of the importance of works. He was a bit curt in the way that he described things. I'm not sure if you pick, it up, pick uh, up on that uh, in James. He's a bit brusque of a fellow, right? Like he does not pull punches. In fact, I really identify with him because I'm a middle child and I grew up learning the importance of poking people in the eye. <laughs> not physically, but just that if you poked someone in the eye, you could get rid of a facade and you could see what they really thought and what they really felt. And James seems to be able to do this. And the prophets seem to be able to do this really well. Now, of course, I did not do it for that reason early on. I did it because I wanted to make my brother's eye hurt. Um, either one. You, you pick, take your pick. And I know many of you would also prefer at some point to be able to poke Brad in the eye. But James put a lot of emphasis on things the Jews had put emphasis on for millennia. Being a lifelong Jew that converted himself to Christianity and still living in the heart of the most important city to Judaism meant that he was more a part of Christianity's roots than where it was going to go through Paul to the Gentiles. But that made him no less important. We don't get to say, since he was a part of more of its Jewish roots, that Paul really knew what was up. Because Paul and James, I think, agree, although Martin Luther did not see how. It doesn't mean that his perspective is unimportant. James is, right? But Martin Luther famously wanted to rip the book of James out of his Bible and even called it the epistle of straw. I know. Can you believe, can you think about calling something in the Bible that? Being like, this is an epistle of straw. Like, you've got to be really competent. Martin Luther was, man. Because he felt that it undermined Paul's notions of justification by faith. But I think Martin Luther was, if I might dare suggest, a little bit short-sighted in terms of that spectrum that we just talked about. Because what we're ultimately dealing with here are two attributes of God that are hard to grapple with. We're talking about God's justice, and we're also talking about God's mercy. So if my son hits my daughter, what's just of me is to punish him for that. Would I be unjust in spanking him or sending him to timeout? No, I would not be. However, if he says, Dad, I'm really sorry. I was super angry. Didn't really mean it. I could still be just and spank him. Could I not? However, I might also decide in that moment to exercise mercy. Which is, in that scenario... Something that, if you have the purest definition of justice, would be unjust. Would it not? Think also, again, of what bought your salvation. 
an unjust act. You were the one that was sentenced to death, or rather charged with sins that required your death, and yet God said unjustly, I will charge my son with that sin instead. Did he not? So it was his mercy that was coordinating with his justice. But does that make God unjust? I don't think so. Do you begin to see the complexities that we're dealing with? We're dealing with this oscillating set of ideas that are within mercy, justice, deep complexities that exist within it. So it seems to me we have a decision like Martin Luther's before us. We can disregard whole swaths of scripture that don't match our notions, or we can learn to accept them as valuable contributions to our flawed understanding of the wholeness of the gospel. Because I'm perfectly aware that we can sometimes take ideas and we key in on those on scripture and we act as if scripture only toes on one side of the spectrum of that idea as opposed to dealing with the difficulties of what scripture says elsewhere, especially the difficulties that Jesus brings up because he's the one, he's the ultimate eye poker. He is. You're just like, man, like, like Paul's like, judge those inside the church. And then Jesus says straight up, do not judge. And you're like, got it. Easy. All right. Which one are you going to choose? Will you be someone that chooses a side? Or will you be someone that finds where Jesus is amidst these things? It's easy to choose sides. If you've already chosen left or right, missed it. You've missed it completely. You think Jesus would show up and choose left or right? That's your, that's your understanding of Jesus, that he would show up and he would say, I side with this side. Mm-hmm. That squares with your understanding of Jesus. If it does, your view of Jesus is far too simple. Far too simple. You see, it's the difference between being here and criticizing there versus being here and listening carefully to there paying careful attention to where we see Jesus. In discussing our section of James today, I will be admittedly more on one side of the spectrum than the other, but it's the one that hasn't had a lot of airtime lately, I feel like, in our culture. We're all talking about justice, and justice is incredibly important, incredibly important to God, to the gospel, and to the coming kingdom. There's no doubt about it. We should care about it. We should carefully speak and act within God's will to bring justice to the nations. But very few, it seems like, are speaking of mercy. And after all, it was mercy that won you to Christ, and it is mercy that will win the cosmos back to God. You have to understand that as a starting point. Because, and I'm going to say this a ton today, mercy triumphs. Over judgment. Let's go to God in prayer real quick. Father, open our hearts to James's perspective. Open our hearts 
to what you would speak to us. Wherever we are on that spectrum, Father, bring us more towards Jesus. Help us to listen carefully and to carefully consider your word. Amen. I'm going to repeat this verse, and then I'm going to just briefly speak into what I think it means. So speak and so act as those who are judged by the law of freedom, for judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I have three absurdly simple points (laughs) for you today. And the first one is, don't judge people. Many of you are like, got it, yeah, that's great. That's what I've been trying to tell people. Don't judge people. What I mean is don't even judge people who are judging people. Don't judge people because you are not a judge. I'm going to take us elsewhere in Scripture and let the whole witness of Scripture speak to us in this way, okay? In Matthew 7, 1 through 5, it's the verse that I literally just talked about with Jesus. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. I I want you to go back and look at these verses, reflect on them, especially if you feel like it burns. If anything that I say today burns or stings a little bit, that means it's working. Whenever I read the scripture, I cannot get away with not feeling the burn. I remember I had this friend in middle school (laughs) that had really chapped lips all the time. I don't know what this guy was doing. (laughs) Apparently eating sand or something. But the guy had chapped lips all the time. And he got this mint uh, chapstick, and he would always wear it, and he'd be like, ah, it burns, so I know it's working. (laughs) And I just always visualize that. Whenever I read scripture, if you can read scripture and not feel burned, then either you have done it. (laughs) You've done it. You have found the perfect equilibrium of faith. You have found righteousness in you, above all else, are to be lauded amongst mankind, or you are blind. One of those two things. I feel personally attacked whenever I read scripture. So here's another example of it. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Jesus says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye. And look, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. First of all, Jesus was funny. I have to point that out. But second of all, the way we read the scripture oftentimes takes all of the teeth out of it. When you read it like that, which is probably more like, like you don't see him being like, first do not judge, and then take the speck out of thine own eye. Like, I doubt he was just listless as he said these things. He probably, I mean, this sounds insulting, Not to mention the fact that he just says, you hypocrite. (laughs) Which is, again, if someone called you, if someone just was like, you hypocrite, you wouldn't be like, all right, got it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Got it, I guess. I guess that could be a thing to think. No, you wouldn't. This This is challenging to me. 
Romans 2, 1 through 4. We're not going to leave Paul out of the party. Romans 2, 1 through 4. He says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, his forbearance and his patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. It's God's kindness that led us to repentance. Do you feel like your judgment will lead others to repentance? Or will it be your kindness that leads them to repentance? Those of you that know me know that I am not Brad. So you will see tears from the pulpit. (laughs) I love my brother very much. I wish I could channel that part of him. Now I got to go to the harder one. John 8, 1 through 11. Jesus in action. You've heard it before. You've read it before. Listen again, considering judgment. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people were gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. I, I, I pause. This is not the scripture at this point. I can't help but be emotional as I feel myself brought before this crowd. I am the woman caught in adultery. Put yourself in her position. You are ashamed. You have been wrong. And you are brought before a group of holy people who are all very impressed with themselves. And you know the law is that you are about to be stoned by them. Think about that for a moment. You are not about to to reach a swift end but rather in shame and indignation of the crowd is going to stone you to death. Think about that for a moment. They made her stand before the group, stood her up, her and her shame. They said, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery, in the act of adultery. They caught her. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left 
with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. When I think that I am the woman, and then when I think about how many stones I have thrown, I am ashamed of myself. How could a woman who was just forgiven, completely forgiven, how could she go out and throw stones at anyone for anything ever? How could you or I do the same? Were you forgiven less than her? Who are we to judge anyone or anything anytime? This Greek word for judgment is crisis, and it means opinion or decision given concerning anything, especially concerning justice and injustice, right and wrong. Our culture is obsessed with judging everything. We love to put ourselves in the judge's seat because it makes us feel powerful rather than weak. It makes us feel justified rather than the one who is being called into question. And as a consumerist culture, we also enjoy judging because everything is about rating and determining the value of things. That spills over to people. We begin to do the exact same thing with people. I would give Brad a solid three stars. But it seems to me the witness of Scripture tries to tug us away from judging others, i.e. do not judge. It would seem that to judge someone would be to forget our own need for mercy, and it would seem to make us judge instead of God, and it would bring judgment on ourselves from God. So speak and so act as those who will be judged. The second point I'd like to share with you this morning is to be humble. I know, these points are killer. The first one is don't judge people. The second one is be humble. I want to point us back to the gospel again here and look in Luke 18, starting in verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. I vote and wear a mask and I speak to people on social media whenever they're wrong. I tell them the truth. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. 
For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and to those who humble themselves, and sorry, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Humility is a difficult thing to reckon. It's usually described as something like, uh, it's not like thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. Have you guys heard that one before? It's not about thinking less of yourself, it's about thinking of yourself less. But this guy who's beating his breast and will not look to heaven and says, have mercy on me, a sinner, he did not think highly of himself. And he was thinking of himself in that moment. And he is justified before God. The kind of humility that God seems to honor is the kind that affirms the goodness and righteousness of God while denying our own goodness and righteousness. And that recognition of our brokenness is not a cause of devaluing ourselves, but rather a cause of valuing God and others and having an appropriate appraisal of your own goodness, namely that you are not good. Yeah, I can recap that again. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, yeah, I get it. I'm, I'm guilty of, of saying a bunch of words. Um, the kind of humility that God seems to honor is the kind that affirms God's goodness and righteousness while denying our own goodness and righteousness. It actively says, I and myself am not good or righteous. Only by the, the work of Christ could I be reckoned as that. So that recognition of our brokenness is, a cause, is not a cause to devalue ourselves, but rather a cause of valuing others and God. So with humility, you have an idea. It's that you think lowly of yourself, in appropriate standing with God. You deserve nothing. You are nothing. You are a sinner. Right? Right? And that recognition, rather than making you devalue yourself because you realize you are greatly valued by God, it allows you to hold others in high esteem and hold the Father in highest esteem. That is humility. It's born of our recognizing our own brokenness and seeing God meet us in that brokenness with grace, which then leads us to consider ourselves with proper judgment, namely broken, lowly people loved by a merciful Lord. A humble person does not throw stones. Humble people are also very hard to offend. How often do you find yourself offended? Take a moment. Let's do another activity. Take a moment to think about something that someone else has done that you're upset about. It could be someone that you know personally. It could be a politician. It could be somebody in our culture. Take, like, just find a group of people or a person that you're really mad at, okay? Make it as current as possible. Like, try not to be like the past, right? So take a moment. Really think. I want that to seep in for a moment. Take a moment to think about that person, that group, how wrong they are, how evil that they are. Picture that person and the people who've done what they did in your head. And think about how you feel. Anger? Maybe hate? Indignation? Okay. Now, take a moment 
to reflect on all of the ways that you've sinned, past and present. I want you to think of your worst junk right now. Your worst stuff. What have you done? Are you a faultless lamb? What's the terrible stuff that you've gotten away with? The things you've thought. Do you feel the same way about yourself as you do about that first person that you thought about or first group you thought about? Do you feel the same? you have more hate for them or for you? Why? Is your sin less than theirs? Do you need the grace of God less than they do? A humble person would not have time to think so much on the faults of others. They would be preoccupied with their own glaring deficiencies. And our culture has become obsessed with focusing on the glaring deficiencies of everyone but themselves. When they get to heaven, they might say, we fixed the culture, and God said, I wanted to fix you. We solved the problem. God said, you, your sin was the problem. Your sin broke the cosmos. It's not policies. We have to realize our own sin and our need for God. Be humble. You deserve nothing and yet you have been given everything in Christ. So give to give freely to others. Freely you have received. Now freely give. And finally, last point, it's a killer one. Be merciful. Don't judge people. Be humble. Now be merciful. You might have guessed it. We're going to go back to the gospel and see what Jesus said here in Matthew 18, starting in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Now, do you lack forgiveness in your heart towards anyone? 
please, brothers and sisters, please repent of it now. I don't want anyone in here to be treated the way that that master will treat that servant. We cannot afford to be unmerciful servants. It is the Lord's mercy, his undeserved favor. That's what that word means, grace. It's undeserved gift. By its very definition, it is given to those who deserve it the least. It is that mercy, that grace that purchased our lives and our freedom in Christ. Do you dare not give out that to others? Would you dare refuse to give that same grace to others who are made in God's image? Do you give out undeserved favor and mercy, or do you reserve only your favor for those who deserve it? Do you reserve your approval and your favor for only those who deserve it? If so, you are not like your father. You are more like a different father, and we'll call him the enemy. You are more a child of the devil than you are a child of God whenever you are not distributing deserved or undeserved favor and mercy. The Lord's Prayer has a built-in command in this. Does anyone pray the Lord's Prayer with any kind of regularity? Okay. Let's do that more often. It's a good one to pray. Here's what it says about halfway through. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Do you see what, what he did there? What a dangerous prayer to pray. You just ask God to forgive you and to show you the same kind of mercy that you show others. Did you not know you were praying that whenever you prayed it? Because that's what you're doing. And then he goes ahead and makes it really clear what you're praying for at the end of that when he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Have you told yourself that God's grace is unconditional? Because that looks a lot like a condition. Hold on, let me check real quick. If you forgive, then you're forgiven. If you don't, then you are not. So what might it look like to pursue justice mercifully? What might it look like to pursue right courses of action in the world while also forgiving others their sins? What might it look like to pursue justice humbly? What might it look like to pursue right courses of action, local and abroad, while being filled with mercy and compassion for our enemies. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I want you to picture yourself standing before the throne. You die. You die. You are standing before the throne where we will all stand one day 
I don't know about you. I, I, maybe kneeling is a better way. I will be kneeling or laying on my face. <laughs> laying on my face before the throne. I want you to picture saying this to God. Lord, judge me the same way I have judged other people. Show me the, the exact same kind of mercy that I have been willing to show others. In that day, the Lord will not ask of you all the things you've accomplished in order to receive forgiveness. He will not ask you which things that you've righted in a wrong world. He will ask you, did you forgive the way that I forgave? Did you love the way that I loved? And that is what's before us. Show me the same mercy if I showed others. If that's scary to you, Let's repent. Let's show mercy. Let's be people filled with gratitude that the Lord has shown his undeserved kindness to us. And let's go out in the world and show that exact same kind of love. Have you been merciful to those who have angered you, wronged you, offended you? Or have you acted the exact same way the rest of the world does by judging? Everyone always asks for practicals. I'm going to give you three really, really fast ones. And they're all inside of the cup stuff. So just get over the fact that I'm not saying do this journal twice a week kind of thing. As close as I'm going to get to practicals. Number one, reflect on your attitude here daily. Are you being a judge or are you being full of mercy? This is a great one, by the way, for married couples. Reflect on your own attitude daily. Are you being a judge, or are you being full of mercy? Are your responses to people full of mercy and kindness and compassion? Number two, ponder your own sins daily. Let them drive you to your knees, making you aware of your own need for God. It is really hard to judge people whenever you have spent normal time thinking of all the ways that you need God because of how broken and messed up you are. You want me to speak negatively about a public figure or about anybody in the world because of the most recent thing that they did wrong? They said something bad. They did something bad. Like, okay, you guys talk about that. Let me tell you about my jerkness the awful stuff I've got in my life and my heart, I've got enough problems of my own. I can't solve the world's problems whenever I can't even be loving to people half the time. If I was a public figure, I would have been canceled a long time ago. I'm an idiot. Thanks, Sheila. <laughs> and then finally, pray for your enemies daily. Forgive them in your heart before you seek to show them the truth. You cannot show the truth to someone you hate because you are living in the darkness and the darkness has no truth in it. You cannot show the truth to those you hate because only those who live in darkness do that. Who of you that hates your brother or sister who you have seen can love your father who you have not seen? Jesus says. I'm going to say a quick prayer for us. And Kurt, if you want to go ahead and come on up, because I think you're doing it. Is it you? Oh, Don. Sorry. Don's going to leave. 
Father, thank you so much for how you blessed us. God, I pray that the, the words mercy triumphs over judgment, that that would seep into our beings, Father. That we would realize how much we need you, that it would make us humble and gentle, Father. That it would make us no less likely to pursue justice in this world, Father, but that we would pursue justice the way Jesus did by self-sacrificing love, God. That calls you and you alone good, Father. We are not good. We cannot judge, Father. We are nothing. Have mercy on us, sinners. I pray, Father, that that would pervade the hearts and minds of the believers in this church, Father. And that it would help to actually change the world the way that you want to. We love you. We thank you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Don. Thank you. about you guys, but I'm tired. It's been a busy weekend. Weddings, weddings, births. Gotta love that. <laughs> Garrett, thanks, buddy, for sharing today. Um, if I could be so bold, I think you compliment Brad, if I could, you know, just by virtue of what you two bring and give to us. So thanks for that. And I love how the Bible allows us to visualize the stories. And John 8 has always been one that I've, I can see it. You know, that and the woman at the well, two of, two of my favorites that are there. Uh, but the idea of putting myself in the place of the woman, that spoke to me today. Because it's so easy to see it from an outside perspective. Yet, we are the woman, you know, every day. And thanks for sharing that. The other thing I always take away from that is a sound, a profound sound of rocks dropping one by one as people finally realize, what am I doing here? Why am I even going to try and stone this person? Because they were convicted by what they were doing. That's always kind of been heavy with me. So I would love for you guys, like we said earlier today, join us tomorrow night for prayer time. It's been great seeing more and more people joining us. And I know it's Zoom. But you know, what I love about that is you can come where you are. You don't have to feel like you have to rush to be somewhere. You know, you can just be there, open up the Zoom thing, and, and we'll spend time together. And please don't feel like you have to say anything or, or pray out loud. You're certainly welcome to pray in silence with us and share your thoughts. And I also love the fact that it can be very spontaneous at times. We do have kind of an agenda we follow, but... There are times when it's kind of, we just open it up and we just have a great time just speaking to God and sharing with him. So let's pray. God, just thanks so much for bringing us where we are today. Um, the fact that we've gone from being in our homes to being outside and now being inside. And to be together, to see each other with masks, without masks at times, and and just thanks for the love that you have sustained us with during this time. Uh, just continue to bless us as a church family as we grow, uh, as we grow with new married couples, engaged couples, couples that are dating and, and trying to decide if this is the person they want to spend the rest of their life with. Uh, we thank you for our additions, our births, our new babies. Uh, it's so great to hear the sounds 
of children in our in our midst when we come together. Uh, you know, at some places it may be say, uh, may be thought of as an annoyance or a nuisance, but here I love the fact that we smile, we giggle, and we love the fact that there are small ones with us. Uh, just thanks for that. Uh, just continue to bless us uh, as we reach out to our community, as we work with each person we know at, at work, at school. Uh, just help us to, to always be the light that we should be. Um, and just help us to walk away from today's lesson realizing that we are nothing. We are nothing without you. And we are thankful for your willingness to forgive us with all of our individual junk, uh, mine in particular. Thank you for that. Uh, just be with us as we go through the rest of this day. Just thank you. We love you. Pray all this through Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.